So one of the things I like to do when I prepare for sermons, especially uh, scripture or psalms, you know, that I've never preached before is uh, at the end of kind of my wonderings and thoughts written down, doing the, you know, commentary work I do at the end. Some pastors start with it, um, but then I know me and I, I don't want to just take someone's idea and run with it in the body of my sermon. I want to see what the Holy Spirit's going to do in me through this, through what I think I need, but also what I, I discern our needs of our church are. But then I go and I find out, uh, you know, I go and read the commentaries, some of it to make sure that I'm on track, right? Because there are people much smarter than me uh, in the kind of religious academic world, scholars, commentators, and all of that. And I go to some of my favorites, Charles Spurgeon being one of them. And this week, I, I was pleasantly surprised that some of the thoughts I had were actually some that he had. Right now, I'm at no, no point saying I am on par with uh, Charles Spurgeon, but it's just nice to win one every once in a while going, hey, I wasn't crazy in my thoughts on that, because these are thoughts that he's going to kind of help us understand this morning. They go all the way back uh, before this church was started, 1834, uh, kind of, uh, I say more like 1860, so right before this church started, our thoughts he had on this impressive psalm. And the reason why I start with that is because, much like the song or the hymn that we just sang, is how this psalm starts. That this psalm is one of the only psalms that start talking directly to you and me, the reader. Most psalms are immediately talking about God, Yahweh, his power, his majesty, his faithfulness, his protection, his omnipotence, whatever. Any one of his countless attributes... But this is about us. And to me, what Psalm 115 does, it slices into, my opinion, the biggest sin of our generation. Pride. That we are, we are growing up now in a, and it's nothing new, right? They had, and pride goes all the way back to Pharaoh, right? I mean, this is, this is a sin that has been the top on God's list. How do we know? What was the first commandment that I read today? This isn't rhetorical. I just read it. What was that, Larry? No other gods. There's a reason why he said that. Partly because the people were just coming out of Egypt where they had thousands of gods, right? And and the top ten gods that they worshipped were defeated by the top, or the ten plagues fun way to look at that story in Exodus, but understanding that God knew, God knew that he knew that he knew that our biggest temptation for all of us is going to have all of these gods in our life, lowercase g. Satan knew it. Satan knew it by the the temptation of doubt that he gave Adam and Eve. Did God really say Because depending on how you answer that depends on where you place God in your life. If that saying's debatable, then you're saying God's debatable. That's probably not a good place to be. If you say no, then you're calling God a liar. That's not a good place to be. If you go, well, I'm not sure if God really said, okay, well, that's doubt. God isn't uh, undoubtable. But that God reigns supreme. Eve should have said, yes, God really said, and threw the snake out. Well, if I'm being so bold, Adam should have done that. He should be protecting his wife. 
main job of a husband is to protect their wives and their kids and their family. Whole nother sermon, 20, 37. Uh, and so understanding that this is where God is desiring for all of us to be, the psalmist writes, not to us, O Lord, not to us. But to your name, give what? Someone, what's the next word? Give glory. Glory is a funny word, and I'm going to camp here for a little bit. When you think of the word glory, what comes to mind? If you're new to the church, some of you are ready to go. That's awesome. But if you're new to the church, I ask questions. We have a little interaction. I, I love it. It's fantastic. You guys haven't fired me yet. So glory, what comes to mind? Heaven, good answer. Praise, good. Radiance, ooh, someone give Tom. Mary, give your son a high five. Radiance, oh, that's a, Tom, that's a real good one. But to your name, give radiance. Not to us, oh Lord, but not to us, but to your name, give radiance. Tom, that's a sermon shifter. I appreciate that. Any others? They're like, well, now that you've, you know, glory to radiance, I'm not going to give an answer. I get it. Anyone else? Victory. Ooh, that's a good one, too. That's the gospel on that one. Now, I, I'm not looking for anyone specific, so you all won. But understand, I, I, when I read this, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name. So this is something we're putting on his name, give glory. I thought of the word intentional or intent. To your name, give intent for the sake of your steadfast, uh, your steadfast love and your faithfulness. That if I'm living out the Christian walk with intentionality, one of the things we say in our philosophy here at Munster Church is that we walk out the, with gospel intentionality. Just to say that we want to just be people of the gospel, that's all well and good. And we can all camp here, we can believe in Jesus, and we have a great church then that does no outreach. That we have to take the gospel out. Why? Because he calls us to go out into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have commanded you and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That there's an intentionality. But the intentionality is never starting with self. That the world does not need more Jim Holland owner, amen? Hey, that was way too quick. I appreciate that my wife didn't say anything, though. That's good. She thought it, but she didn't say it. Uh, thought, word, deed. Um, the world doesn't need more you. Sorry. You're enough. Right? There, there's, you know, unless you're a twin, right, and that still, even then, you're, you're your own. The world doesn't need more of us. The world needs more Jesus, and if we're people of Jesus, then it's not to us, O Lord, not to us, but for your name, Father, Son, Spirit, give glory. Why? For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. You want to talk to people about Jesus, you want to talk to people about the Bible and God's plan for their life, don't go to the church. The church has made a mess of it for years. That's secondary or third dairy, if you will. But you want to point to what did Jesus do for them? What did God, what does God do in your life? He's steadfast in his love for you and faithfulness. He is faithful and just to forgive, to guide, to comfort, 
to correct. D, all of the above. He does that. So it's not for us. It's for him that we do all of these things. The world doesn't need more church. Hear me, stick with me. It needs more Jesus. How do I know? Because I can go down ridge. If you put uh, a seven-mile radius around the intersection of, let's say, Ridge and Calumet. Do you know how many churches there are? A seven-mile radius? Probably close to 200. And unfortunately, this isn't like 50, 60, 70 years ago where most of those churches, you're going to hear the same thing, right? It might be done with the organ. It might be done with the guitar. You know, if you might be disciples of Christ, you're not done with any music, just a cappella. Okay, let's, what if that was here? Some of you are like, yeah, thank God we have some of that music. But you're not going to hear the same thing anymore. Because in the post-Christian society that we live in, churches have gone off the rails. They have. You have churches now reading out of the Koran. You have churches that have lost their way because they've not kept it to God's love and his faithfulness. They said, did God really say? And we have churches that go... I don't think he did. And that's a really bad place to be for any church. So a church that can give Jesus, that can give love God, love people, that can stand in the commandments, but also be people of the Beatitudes, that is a recipe for a healthy church. Now the nice thing is, I think the majority of them, in a seven mile radius of that intersection, are that. It's just stylistically different, maybe in the preaching or the music or what have you. But none of it is for us. This is only the first two verses. Maybe the first, no, this is the first verse of the psalm. And it's massive. It's a reminder. It's not about you. It's about God's love for you and the world and his faithfulness to you and to the world. Let's continue. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Time out. going to read that again. Why should the nation say, where is their God? So this is the Gentiles. You know, where is the God? Like, we can't see him. We don't, we don't, we don't see him, uh, you know, pontificating. We don't see a materialistic understanding of this. Where is the God of David? Where is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob? One thing that, that Spurgeon shows us is that people stopped talking about him. That there was not a lot of testimony given. And I'm sorry, if you're the Israelites, you should be talking about Yahweh a lot. Because not only is he the one that called your great-great-grandparents out of slavery, he defined you as a people. He said, you are mine, and I am yours. This isn't just you are my conquerism. This is a relationship Israel and Yahweh, that vertical relationship established through you, the worlds, the pagans, the, the, the rest of everybody will know that I am Yahweh. So if people know that Yahweh is Yahweh, if the Israelites are talking about Yahweh, his power, his love, his faithfulness, how can that question come up? But when we don't talk about him, when it's assumed, when, well, I got the Munster Church magnet on my car, I don't really have to do much. That's, that's evangelism, right? No. 
especially when you cut people off. It makes it worse. And you don't get those emails or those phone calls. I do. Well, they cut me off and, sorry, you have the wrong number. Click. I don't do that much. But understand that this question goes with a phrase that I really want to know how we really feel about it. Where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. That's not the one. He does all that he pleases. I've asked our staff this question this week, and I asked our council that question this week. And it got kind of quiet. But church, the saying that he's in the heavens, he does all that he pleases, how does that sit with us? Nope. How does that sit with you? I'm getting a thumbs up. Okay. Anyone else? It makes sense. Okay. I'm going to let this one hang for a bit. Because I'm feeling the tension in the room. Because I have it inside myself. He does all that he pleases. Yeah. It takes a lot of trust. Mm. Absolutely. There's probably more, way more that we could say about that. But it takes trust. Absolutely. Thank you. It was anxious. Yeah. That's an interesting response, isn't it? The older you get, the more it makes sense, okay? Sure. The more the relationship, so the older you get, the more it makes sense, okay? And that, that's good. I'm not going to challenge you on that yet because that's a good answer. And then as you would say that again, the second part. The relationship with Christ deepens all of those things, yeah. So, Okay, so the more you get, the more, the older you get, the more relationship is deeper with Jesus. I totally get that, right? That, that statement, we become more comfortable with it. Okay, that makes total sense, absolutely, right? Some of us probably agree with that, some of us might not, but to me that makes sense. As we develop a more faithful, loving relationship with God who has been faithful and steadfast in his love for you, we're, okay, we're more and more okay with it. Who are we to not be okay with that? And that's really what I'm getting to. Julie just got there in a very positive way as I was going to just hit us all with a hammer. And so thank you, Julie, for that. Everyone say thank you, Julie. But understand that when we do it, sorry, here comes the hammer, we're selfish people when we're not okay with that. That there's something in us, maybe it goes back to the garden, of mistrust, distrust, non-trust, untrust, whatever it is. Wait, God's going to do all that he pleases. If I, the, the, the human side of me is who does he think he is? <laughs> Let's go back to the first slide. That's who he is. And I liken this to, to my kids uh, now, they're, they're 10, they're 8, and they're 6, so we, we haven't hit the teen years yet, pray for us, 
uh, because I, having worked with teenagers for many, 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 many years, right, I thank God we have Daniel. I'm just going to give that to that, give him them and, or give them him, and he's going to make them great. If that's your understanding of the youth ministry of this church, you're doing it wrong, by the way. Uh, but at some point, that challenge is going to come because I challenged my parents with that. That at some point, we all get bold enough to tell our parents no and mean it. Now, no is a word from the pit of hell when they're young because they say it all the time, but they have no context for it, right? That's just the sin growing out in them. But as they get older and they mean it, or they fervently disagree with something that a parent has said, or a command, the relationship instantly changes. Now, if you're sitting here and you have like a 14, 15-year-old, either it's already happened or it's coming like a freight train, okay? That you're going to, all of a sudden, your child, through conflict, is going to try to stand on their own, puff out their chest, and fervently disobey. And that's exactly what you did. And that's exactly what your parents did. It seems to be this cycle, because at some point, this pride in us that this psalm is really getting at is at some point, we think we know everything. We know everything. No one's going to teach us anything else. If everything we know we had at 15, this world probably wouldn't even be here anymore, right? No, that it takes growth. It takes, it takes maturity. It takes that relationship that Julie is talking about. Go to, to the next slide as we continue. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. They do not make sound in their throat. That hits me a little different now, but that's a different sermon. Don't laugh at that. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. You want the second hammer of the sermon? It's that last line. What's the second commandment? You shall, you shall not have no other gods. You don't even want to make anything that could become another God. And we've turned that into our society, something fierce, success, money, wealth. Uh, we can be, you know, cars, right? Uh, if you're kids or maybe even adults, video games, uh, distraction, social media. We've carved all kinds of idols out of these. That, you know, if we're coming, if we're being honest, we probably spend more time on there than we do in the Bible. Daily and weekly. If that's you, okay, let's work on that. Are we, are we in God's word? And the Bible app counts. All right, so yeah, I, I get that. That's still God's word. But are we on social media more than God's word? Okay, so if that's the case, those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. That should be one of the most convicting verses in all of the Psalms. That the more we give ourselves to these idols, the more we become like them, and subsequently, we become less like God. Yet we're supposed to be holy as he is holy. But that whole, oh, it's just so convicting. They have mouths but do not speak. They, they've been given all of these senses, but because their, their world is wrapped up in idols, their senses become like the idol and not like the creator. Friends, I don't know about you, but that's convicting, or at least it should be. The more time we spend on all these, my mom always said, garbage in, 
Garbage out. Maybe you're stuck in that right now. Maybe you let a lot of garbage in. And maybe, just maybe, your life is different because of it. That's something that you got to look at yourself. Ask trusted friends. If you have a spouse, ask a spouse to speak into that. And don't get mad at them when they speak into it because you've asked them to do that because that's hypocrisy. Where in your life do you need to become more like God and less like the world? I think there's our social media tag, Mike. Where in our life do we need to be less like the world and more like God? Faithful and steadfast in love. Let's keep going. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. What is trying to be conveyed there? If it's repetitive, underline it. That God is our... Wake up! What is it? Our help and our shield. So why? Why do we need God to be our help? Pretty self-explanatory, because we need it. Our shield. Why? Because we're being attacked daily with the idols of the world. And he doesn't leave anyone out. So, O Israel, the congregation, O Aaron, the pastor and the councils, okay, the, the leadership, all who fear the Lord, not like the boogeyman, but in like Grand Canyon, God big, we small, okay, all of us trusting in the Lord to be our help and our shield. Is that not the basic necessities of life? That when we're in trouble, we need help, and when we're vulnerable, we need protection. If you have kids, that's what you try to do, right? If your kids come and help you, or come and ask for help, and you say no, you're not doing, the, now, if they're older and they need to learn some things on their own, yeah, guide them through that, right? But if one of my kids comes up and say, Dad, I need to have breakfast, and I say, sorry, I'm not doing one of the basic jobs that I have as a parent to provide for them. But then when I say, okay, let's have something healthy, and they said, no, I want sugar smacks, and I go, no, now we get into a fight. How we do it is up to you. I'm not going to preach on that. But understand, this is encompassing everybody. And then what will happen? The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. I don't know, that's pretty transactional to me. Remember God, trust him as your help and your shield, and he will bless you. It seems two plus two equals four. It just, it makes sense in my head, but we all know it's really hard to live out. So then where's like the cherry on top of that? Okay, we're gonna do this. This is the relationship. I, but I, I may need something else. Let's continue. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Not to us, but to your name be the glory forever. Because you loved us and you're faithful to us and I am going to bless you. Last thing. What does blessed mean? 
When you see the word blessed, when you engage the word blessed, hashtag blessed, ugh. Holy, that's not what I see on Facebook. The peace of God that passes all understanding, that's too long of a hashtag, I don't see that one either. Yet as the world, I see that when we get stuff, right? When I get the promotion, when, when I get those th- the things I've been working for. One of the ones I saw, it's, it, nobody from the church, right? It was someone kind of uh, looking back on their, their job climbing a corporate ladder, and then from the corporate ladder came a bigger income, bigger income came more toys, and they're literally writing all of this on, on, as like an update, and on hashtag, hashtag blessed, hashtag God is good. I wanted to put hashtag wrong. I wanted to put hashtag go to church, hashtag check your heart. I didn't. I don't troll people on the, on, on the interwebs like that. But that's what the world thinks. God's going to bless you with all the stuff. Right? If we, it, when we build our new building, right, if any of us go hashtag blessed because of brick and mortar, you're getting an elder's visit. Because that's not what it's about. We're building and opening, hopefully in the next week or two, the Community Life Center to help the community, to give space for people to meet, to find support, to find community, to ultimately find Jesus. That is the hope. Now, if people come, and they come to to meet in the support groups that they're in, and they meet new believers or whatever, and then we want to go hashtag blessed, that I get. Are we being blessed as Munster Church? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But guess what? If you look on that picture in 1952, when this thing burned to the ground, they were blessed too. One of the greatest stories about that, there's a rabbit trail, but I love it, is during the 150th series, I was reading a lot. You all sent a lot of stuff. I feel like a Munster Church scholar, and I'm okay with it. Hashtag blessed. Uh, That, by the end of the night, that that burned down to the ground, the next six months of services were already planned because the churches of the area reached out and said, you can meet here, or you can meet it with us, or you can use our space. Munster's always had a relationship with the community. Hashtag blessed. Because that is part of being a blessing of a church. Not that we try to get more and more people here, but that we give more and more people Jesus. Hashtag blessed. When your kid comes and wants to have hard theological conversations where you both can open up God's word and you can study it together, hashtag blessed. When we have this understanding in life, when we go through a a pain or we go through a tragedy in life and we can see on the other side that God's walked us through every step of the way, hashtag blessed. When we can live out the fruits of the spirit, what it means to love God and love people, and we're exhausted daily by sit, giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hashtag blessed. Not to us. Not to us. But for your name, be the glory, be the radiance. Tom's word. So may we radiate. Tom, I love that. Well done. Good word. How are you radiating God's word? How are you radiating God's love for you, God's love for the world, all of the things 
that we talked about in this psalm? Are you radiating those out through Jesus Christ? Because if you ask that question, and you don't feel like you are, then I guess the question is, what's blocking the light? What's getting in the way of radiating? Go through your week. Because those same things blocking the light are probably the act of sin in your life. You got to look in the mirror. You got to get in check. Because we're coming to the table next week together. Like I said, it's not a table of perfection. But it's a table of faithfulness. It's a table of forgiveness. It's the table of our Lord. The one that loves you and has a plan for your life.